Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey friends, welcome to the Tens and Bagels podcast. This is Andre, your host, and we have here um, Owen with me. How are you doing, Owen? I'm doing great. Uh, great to be here as always, and big day of tennis tomorrow. How are you? I'm great. Uh, thanks. And yeah, uh, big day of tennis tomorrow, and this is exactly why we're here today. We are going to be talking specifically about um, the matchups that we have tomorrow. Obviously, in particular, we're going to be focusing on the bigger tournaments, Barcelona and Stuttgart, Barcelona on the ATP side and Stuttgart on the um, WTA side, both uh, ATP, both um, 500 level tournaments um, with high caliber people playing um, and um, both on clay as well, Stuttgart being indoors. Uh, so that's a little bit of a difference. But regardless, this uh, really goes to show a little bit of a... Um, um, player form on clay and who's doing well, who's not. And it's always um, at this point, uh, we are always looking forward to seeing how this kind of gives us a clue on how they're going to do on at Roland Garros. Um, but focusing exclusively on tomorrow's match. Um, so what do we got? We have uh, Barcelona, we have uh, Tsitsipas Nadal, and then um, WTA, we have Barty and Sabalenka. And do you know who's playing in, in uh, Belgrade? I know Belgrade, it's Karatsev. Yeah. That is going to be a Karatsev and uh, Matteo Berrettini. Oh, that's interesting too. Karatsev, uh, big name of the year. Of yeah, course. big name of the day too. It was yeah. a crazy match against Djokovic. Um, do you want to start with that? Because that's the smallest tournament and then we can uh, move on to the bigger ones. For sure, go ahead. Okay, sure, yeah. So I don't know really what to expect from the final, but in Karatsev beat Djokovic today and the match that was almost three and a half hours, he saved 23 of 28 break points, which is staggering. Djokovic actually produced more break points in this match than he had in any other match in his professional career. And he lost, which is absolutely insane. Wow. It'll be interesting to see if Karatsev has uh, any legs left for tomorrow, but I mean, for now, hats off to the guy. It was an incredible win. I wasn't able to see it, but the numbers are unbelievable. That, that's that's insane. I had no idea about that. It probably getting to feel a little bit like Roger Federer to have so many break points and not converting on them. But like, honestly, Karatsev, <laughs> one of the comments that you just said, and it, it's kind of striking to me, it's like we have no idea what to expect for tomorrow. Because even though we, we know how Karatsev has played throughout this year and he's been doing really well, it's the first time that we really see him playing like a, a extremely high level on clay that, mm-hmm. as well. So that's interesting. And I have, I must confess, I haven't really watched much of the, the highlights as well, but like just remembering off of his game from, um, from Australia, um, probably going to be hit, hit, be hitting really big and focusing on just taking control of rallies and winning really the, the zero to four shot rally. Yeah. So, 
Um, I, I think that's a good assessment. And um, you missed the match, but you were not to worry. Tennis TV had us covered with four minute highlights. So be sure to check those <laughs> out, everyone, if you missed the match. Um, but yeah, I. How long saw, was the match again? Three and a half minutes? Uh, right. Three, three and a half hours. So I, I think four <laughs> minutes should give us an accurate picture. Yeah, you know, exactly. one, uh, like a little over a minute per set. Not too bad, is it? Um, but I think you're right. Um, a lot of people on Twitter were saying that Karatsev was returning extremely well, almost like Djokovic himself. I think he had 15 or 16 break points for the match, which is like outstanding wow. against Djokovic, who I don't think he served that well today, but traditionally in the last few years has had an amazing serve. And um, I mean, Berrettini has done well to reach the final too, I think, against Ter- Taro Daniel today. Mm. He lost the second set in the tie break, but then bageled him in the third. Although, um, I mean, there's no question that Djokovic is a stronger semifinal opponent. Karatsev has gotten much more opportunity to have his game tested to sort of find his form. And so I would say with the stipulation that he is physically fit tomorrow, I will pick him to win in two tight sets. Um, Karatsev? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was, a, I was just about to say like, uh, who would be the favorite for this? It's, it's kind of interesting. And I'm just checking out here. They're number two and three seed. So Karatsev started the year as a qualifier in Australia, basically a nobody. Yeah, um, people are think, were saying that he was hitting hitting hard and it was nice, mm-hmm. but now coming to be number three seed in a tournament, even though it's a two fifty, it's a pretty big achievement, I guess, for for the guy. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to to predict from from a guy who just kind of kind of springboard himself into into fame. So we have really little to no idea what's going to happen. Um, I want to go ahead and say Berrettini goes in and and win. I want to say in two, but I think it's more likely to happen in three if he does. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be Berrettini in, in three. And uh, just because of his, his probably has a little bit more experience than Karatsev, um, he's more used to it. And as you said, um, I think Karatsev might be a little bit tired tomorrow. So I'm going to go with Berrettini in three. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. I'm excited to see what the tactics are because I know hmm. Berrettini has a really good slice, but on clay it'll sit up. And that, um, and so he'll have to be very careful with this slice. And uh, Karatsev is a great returner, so I'll be interested to see how he attacks Berrettini's serve, who mm-hmm. is a really big first syllabary. Mm-hmm. I think Berrettini will also be looking to get to the net when he can. Mm-hmm. And uh, Karatsev, I assume, will be trying to shorten rallies. So I think there's the potential for a fun match here. I, yeah, yeah and uh, you're right, Berrettini is younger, but I think he's had more experience playing big matches, probably. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see how Karatsev handles the occasion. He did win... He won Dubai this year. Is that right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He so, beat Harris in the final. Right, right. So he does have at least a little bit of experience playing in tournament finals uh, on the big stage. So I doubt that the occasion will get to him, but his legs might get to him. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think um, Karatev has, is, is able to generate his own pace, but I think these, mm-hmm. this lice might be able to like get to him a little bit just because of the variation. Yeah. But I don't know, I mean, definitely he's going to be a hard-hitting match for sure because Bertini has a big forehand as well. He's going to be looking to get into that side a lot more. And I believe um, Karatev's backhand is more solid than his forehand. So maybe Bertini will want to go into the cross courts, forehand to forehand rallies, maybe to see if we can break that one down. But we'll see how happens. <laughs> That's possible. I actually haven't heard that about Karatev. I don't know if I've seen enough of him to make an assessment one way or the other. But I do know that... Um, He's pretty consistent off both wings and he yeah. gets good good firepower off both wings. So if 
and he'll definitely be trying to pick on the weaker back end side of Berrettini. Yeah. So um. So yeah, I, I'm honestly not completely sure who's going to have the edge from the baseline because Berrettini's forehand probably has a bit more firepower. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. Looking forward to watching this one though. Yeah. Same. And um, we'll just uh, do you want to sandwich the women's with the the other match for for yeah, the men's? Sounds good. Because in in all honesty, like there's no um, special match between those two. Like on the one side we have. Uh, Ashley Barty, who's number one and um, not defending Roland Garros champion because the Roland Garros actually happened last year, but she's in mm-hmm. 2019. Most recent, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Oh, no, not uh, let's, most let's recent, go for, sorry, but um, not, most, not most recent, the recent, usual time slot. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go with uh, Stuttgart. Um, we have um, Ashley Barty, who's honestly, I, in my opinion, Barty's... Um, the whole talk of Barty was like, is she really number one? Uh, is um, after not playing much of 2020 after the pandemic hit and um, because of the the rankings being a little bit artificially placed in a sense because it's it's mostly frozen in terms of points and whatnot. But I think she's done more than more than enough to show that she's at the level that she needs to be to be a number one, um, both uh, physically and mentally. Uh, she has the game. Um, she just recently won Miami as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Andrescu did retire, but she she had to go through her entire draw before that that happened. So um, yeah, very deserved win. And um, being a Grand Slam champion on clay and playing so well on clay as well, I think it just really shows just how much she has variations and and understands how to play on the surface. Mm-hmm. Because it'd be really easy to just uh, go back. Um, from a good hardcore season and just kind of play sort of the same way as you did and not find that many results just because of the the change in speed and just the bounce of the ball and how you move. But um, And because she has a great slice as well and a great forehand, it could be a little bit of a, a tricky uh, adjustment. But I think she's just keep, keep just keeps, she just keeps showing just how, how great she is as a player um, to be able to reach the later stages of tournaments. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. She was amazing in Miami. And she's had a great tournament here as well. She's had some really gritty wins, the latest of which was today against Svitolina. Um, she was yeah. down a set. And then she was down 4-2 in the second set tiebreak. And on the 4-2 point, she shaped up like she was going to hit a swing volley and at the last second sort of turned it into a drop volley from, wow. I think, around the service line. And it totally fooled Svitolina. It was either a winner or close to it. She hit another great drop volley at four all and went on to win the tiebreak seven, five. So totally snatched that set. Svitolina had served for it at five, four. And then Barty went on to take the third six, two. So she's not just got a great game with, um, with some variation as she showed in the tiebreak, but she's very mentally tough. You can never count her out. She saved a match point in an early round in Miami, I think. So you really have to put her away. She's become a really menacing opponent as well. She mm-hmm. has this buildup of really strong results now, having been a Miami champion, and now has made the final of this tournament. So even if she loses, she's got some great results on her recent record. Yeah. And one thing that I'm just I'm just looking at their their bios right now, and um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, first of all, first that that comes to mind, they're both top ten players. Sabalenka has. Um, been, has been incredibly consistent that yeah. this year and last year as well. She's one of the, the players that when her A game is 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 on, I think it's she can beat pretty much anybody on tour. Yes, she can out hit pretty Alex. much anyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she, 
pretty much destroyed, I guess. Like, and, um, so it, it definitely places a bit of uh, questions on Halep's uh, performance in Roland Garros again. Uh, she did well last year, but got um, walked over by on Tech, I believe. Yep. Um, so, yeah, um, questions keep raising on, on Halep's level. But on, on this match still, we have um, one of the things that caught my attention just now is that um, Barty is only five foot five. <laughs> Yeah, it, and her amazing. service is very impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's just it's kind of like the the Federer level of of uh, serve, which is just really reliable and just really spotty. Like she she can sp- um, like spot serve really really well. Mm-hmm. And I remember during her match against, I think she was playing Svitolina as well in Miami. She was um, saving breaks time and time again with aces, and mm-hmm. it was just. Yeah. A joy to watch, honestly. For me. Yeah, she played Azarenka in a, I think like a mid tournament round in that in that tournament, and like at two all in the third, she was down break points several times, and she was just like raining down service winners on the big points, and went on to win that set six two. So yeah, she's a great server and a clutch server. Yeah, so that will be a very exciting match to watch. What do you think is going to be the key? Because as I said, like when Sabalenka's on, she can pretty much out, out hit anyone. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think the match. I don't know in which in, in whose racket this, this match is, honestly. I feel like it's anyone's game. <laughs> I mm. think it would depend on how intelligent Barty plays her game, I think, honestly. Mm, that, that's interesting. I think an equally big factor will be how well can Sabalenka adjust because Barty is a very different opponent than Halep. Halep is a great defender and a great counterpuncher, but she sort of lacks a massive weapon like Barty's forehand or Sabalenka's forehand. And so Sabalenka was able to play really consistent offense in that match against Halep, but Barty not only has a weapon that can rival Sabalenka's forehand as the biggest ground stroke on the court, but she has the slice that she can use to sort of interrupt Sabalenka's flow if she's trying yeah. to play consistent offense in a point. So I, I'm really interested to see how Sabalenka is going to change her tactics because I think she played great against Halep, but I also don't know how much that tells us for the final because Barty is such a different opponent. She's also a mm-hmm. much better server than Halep. So I think I'm going, I think Vardy is a slight favorite in this one, partly because she's had such a great string of results recently. She's been really battle tested uh, where Sabalenka hasn't. And I think sometimes that can hurt a player. So I'm going to say Vardy in three sets, but you're right. She will have to play really intelligently. Uh, the slice is no doubt going to be crucial, but she'll have to use it and place it well. If she slices to Sabalenka's forehand and it sits up, it's going to get crushed. Yeah, exactly. So she'll have to use it smartly, like keep Sabalenka on the run. And if she doesn't do that, then she could be doing a lot of running. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that sense. I feel like if she plays a sloppy match and her shots are not really working, if it just sits sits there to be attacked, I think Sabalenka is not really going to miss the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I think I think Barty will come up as a winner. I think Barty's going to win in two, even though it's maybe one tight set, uh, maybe a seven six six four victory. Um, but I, I think um, Barty just has a game that can um, more than disrupt a Savalinko's rhythm, more like um, and, and more like um, frustrate her. I feel like I can see Savalinko being really frustrated by like um, forced errors and things like that, just because um, I feel like Barty is going to come out just kind of moving her a lot to spots that are, uh, are going to be a little bit more unexpected, maybe doing like. Um, a little bit of like a Murray Styles lice where it just drops short but really low 
Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of playing with the the depth of the court as well. I think Barty is going to be that type of player tomorrow and just hit out, just hit a winner um, at some point in the rally when she just feels like it's it's the it's the right moment to do it. Yeah, um, and so I feel like the rhythm is going to be in in Barty's hand. Honestly, I feel like the more I think about this match, I feel like Barty has. Um, is more of a favorite for me, but I, I can definitely see how um, it, it will definitely be it, uh, be important to see how Sabalenka adjusts to that too. Because if she mm-hmm. finds a way to not be frustrated and um, pounce on them, like just really attack on the moments where um, the ball is not perfectly right for um, for Buddy when she doesn't do it quite quite as well as she needs to, I think it can it can go her way easily as well. But I, I will still say um, Buddy goes on. And when that in, wins that in uh, two sets. Yeah, I think I was thinking three sets, but then you started talking about two sets with one close set. And I think I like the sound of that better. <laughs> I'll stick with three sets so we can have some variation. But I'm glad you mentioned uh, the short slice. I, I watched a little bit of Stuttgart and something I noticed is that the court is massive. There's so much space behind it. Mm. And it's just this massive expanse. So the short slice could be really useful, like the slice yeah. type that's not quite a drop shot, but can sort of draw the other player in. Yeah. And Sabalenka hit some great drop shots against Talop and kept her guessing. So I think that's going to be another factor who can sort of push the other player back and then fool them with a drop shot or pull them in and move them vertically as well as horizontally. And that'll be a big factor in the baseline rallies and also who gets tired first because Barty, as we mentioned before, has a lot of mileage on the legs. So that might be something Sabalenka mm. wants to try early, like first go big with the forehand and then sort of draw her to net with drop shots. And even if they don't work, if she makes Barty run, that could be a success. Yeah. And it's also keeping her guessing as well. Like, so she doesn't really just stay comfortable like a, at the back of the court, just sitting there, like knowing that the shots are just going to come um, closer to the baseline. So if yeah. she can mix it up with drop shots as well, it's it's a good opportunity for her to find more um more opportunities to be aggressive and just kind of catch uh, Barty off guard on that on that side and in an awkward position to defend as well. So exactly, yeah, and that's something that helped Sabalenka against Halep. As I said, Halep mm. is a great defender, but since exactly. she knew the drop shot was an opportunity, she couldn't just camp six feet behind the baseline all the time and just run down the bullets. She had to be on guard for the drop shot mm. as well, play a little closer to the baseline, which means less reaction time, less time to run for the heavy ground strokes. So. Mm. Uh, the drop shots are a huge weapon because they don't just make the other player run, but they affect their positioning even when you don't hit them. Yeah. Another thing that I think it's it, it might be a factor as well is the fact that it's indoors. And also, hmm. um, it, it seems to me that Stuttgart is a little bit of a faster court than um, than some other, like uh, sits, sits on the, the faster side of clay courts, I would say. You seem to have like a little bit, a little bit less clay than, than other tournaments around there, like when I was watching it. And... The fact that it's indoors is going to have um, a factor in the sense that um, conditions are going to be more um, um, stable, I would say. There won't be much wind, if any, I guess. I don't know exactly where is it located, but in any case. Um, So um, who do you think that's going to favor more, Sabalenka or Barty? I guess for the serve, it doesn't really matter because Barty's toss is so good. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... um... You said it was on the quicker side for clay. I'll I'll trust you on this because my eyes cannot measure court speed. I'm horrible (laughs) at it. Um, And other people see it, but I cannot yet. So um, I think if it's on the quicker side, then that'll help Barty serve. It'll put more pressure on Sabalenka to get into return games. And honestly, that's as far as my quote unquote expertise can go on this one. Um, What do you think? Um, 
I don't know. I I I really want to want to see that that going because I think because because of um because of Sabalenka would I would say because she's so aggressive she likes to take the ball early and things like that and while Vardy has a little bit more variation it, I tend to to see players like Sabalenka enjoying indoors conditions more. Um, not that Vardy wouldn't enjoy them, but I feel like um, it would benefit it would make her game. Um, less better, if you will. I'm doing quotation mm-hmm. marks with my hands. Um, yeah. Then, then Sabalenka. I feel like Sabalenka is going to just be enjoying the fact that it's indoors more than Barty would. Barty probably was. It's a little bit more neutral on that one, on that side. Yeah, I, would say. I, I agree with that because um, I mean, Barty has. I think Barty is very surface versatile, and so she has less of a preference when the conditions change. I guess, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do think that a quicker surface as far as clay goes would benefit uh Sabalenka's power. Yeah. Cool. So we got two down and just one more to go. And would you think it's fair to say is the most anticipated final of this week or? Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, I, I think this matchup is being touted the most. I think it's mm. definitely between this one or Stuttgart. And I think that one has the potential to be a better match than TT Pasen at all. But the TT Fossen at all matchup is definitely more anticipated from what I've seen on mm. tennis Twitter. Not sure if I totally agree yet, but I would agree that it's the most anticipated. Yeah. I guess it, it's interesting because it's, it's all because I, I guess any big three matches is the most anticipated right now, especially when it's against That's the true. next gen, just because we want to see how good the next gen is mm-hmm. playing against the big three. And Nadal has also already lost to Tsipas this year in, uh, in, Aust- in Australia. A little bit of a different conditions there. Obviously, faster courts, and Nadal had a little bit of a back problem. Um, now he's back on clay in Barcelona, where he really loves it. Um, but Nadal has had a couple tough fights already this week. So, mm-hmm. and Tsitsipas has, has been on a on a run. I think he's he's won like his last seventeen uh, sets. Yeah, and none have even yeah. gone to a tiebreak. Yeah, so he's really rolling on on, on clay right now. So. Mm-hmm. And just mounting with confidence, I think every time that you see Nadal on the on the other side of the net when you're playing on clay, it m- makes you respect a little bit more. <laughs> so yeah, you, you feel less of the favorite regardless of where you are, like in your in your current um, 
um, in your current playing game of the game or like how confident you are, I feel like it always makes you feel like, whoa, it's Nadal. So yeah. I, I got to be careful here. And Nadal has definitely shown a lot of glimpses of his, his vintage brilliance, of his clay brilliance. It's, it's just so intelligent playing on, on clay. He just makes so many decisions so quick and they're almost always good decisions. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, clay really does heighten his strengths. It, it gives him time, which is an element that makes his forehand even more terrifying than it usually is because he can do anything with that shot. And um, he likes all the space on the clay courts. He can push his opponents wide as well as deep with his forehand. Just open up the court. His backhand is a more offensive shot now. He can finish points with it. He's even mixed in some net rushes on clay, even some serve and volley. And his record speaks for itself. So I agree (laughs) that when you see Nadal on the other side of the net, there is an instinct to say, oh, he's the favorite. And when you're on clay, it's not just an instinct, it's a fact. So I think he definitely is the favorite in this one, despite how well Foss has been playing recently. Their Australian Open match, I think there's a temptation to sort of look into it and use it to sort of analyze this match. But I really don't think that that should be the case. I think, obviously, you had a different surface. And in the last three sets of that match, Nadal was... I mean, Tsitsipas served extremely, extremely well. He played well with a plus one, don't get me wrong. But Nadal was as ineffectual on the return as I think you'll ever see him. I think in the last three sets, he only won a handful of return points if you take mm-hmm. out the last game in which he got to break point. And that is not likely to be the case today. So I, I guess if I'm going to do my prediction early, then we can talk about uh, tactics and stuff. I'm going to yeah. go with Nadal in sort of a close two sets, but I could, I could also see it in three sets. Mm. Yeah, if I if I'm just going to just passing it on like immediately, I'm just going to make my prediction. <clears throat> and I think it's a, it's such a tough match to call because Tispas is his his strengths has also been um, you know has been have been put in evidence on clay. His his um, backhand is so much more effective. His return of serve is so much more effective, especially on the backhand side. Absolutely. Um, He's he's got so much time to think as well on what he's gonna do, and he's he can pull the trigger and actually hit a really really good forehand um, and backhand also. But like talking about the forehand, is was really good at like changing the pace as well on that one as mm-hmm. on that side. Moves really well on clay, serves um, exceptionally well on any surface, honestly. So it's it's a tough matchup as well, especially he's, he's been running with confidence. He's if he gets a running start on that on that match, is gonna be difficult for Nadal to. To find a way, especially because Tsitsipas is probably going to be thinking, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm de- I definitely can win this one. I've been playing really well on clay, mm-hmm. and I'm even though I'm up against Nadal, I am, I am really good on, on this surface right now. So right. I feel like he's going to be feeling that way. But my prediction would be Tsitsipas in three sets. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think Tsitsipas is taking the the first set. And Nadal takes the second and Tsitsipas takes the third set. Okay, yeah. I mean, I could see that. And I'm glad you mentioned the start because I think the start is very crucial. Like if Nadal gets off to a quick start, it could sort of remind Tsitsipas like who he's playing and on the name of the court that he's playing on. Exactly. It could give Nadal a lot of confidence because the last match they played did not end in a favorable way for him. But if Tsitsipas gets a quick start, I mean, I think Nadal has been struggling with confidence in this tournament and in Monte Carlo a little bit. And he's yet to have a win. Like He played pretty well against Carreño Busta today, barring a lapse at the end of the first set. 
but I think he hasn't really had a win where we were like, okay, that was ruthless Nadal or that was vintage Nadal or he's mm-hmm. like just crushed a really good player. And um, although I guess you could put uh, his semifinal in that category. And so I think if Foss gets off to a quick start, that could almost make him seem like the favorite. He could put doubts in Nadal's head. And Foss, we know, can sustain a really high level of play for a long time. He has matches where he'll play well and he won't have lapses. Like his final in, um, in Monte Carlo against Rublev, he, yeah. he did not have a dip in that entire match. He'd never faced a break point. His forehand was really good. I see... It has a couple similarities with Nadal's and that it's very heavy. He puts a lot of spin on it and he prioritizes width as well as depth to push his opponents side to side and not just back as far as he can. So so he I expect him to use that to great effects. There I think each player is obviously going to target each other's backhands because their forehands are their dominant strokes mm-hmm. and how they finish points. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see who can do that more effectively who can find the backhand and really attack that stroke to greater effect. Yeah, I I, I agree with that, especially on the backhand side. And I can see Nadal throwing in a lot of um, lobby, like uh, lobby backhands, like just kind of ballooning them back yeah. to, to uh, down the line to Tsitsipas's uh, yeah. backhand, yeah. like he did in, uh, in against Djokovic and Roland Garros. I think he can do a lot of the same, just kind of like back, get back into a neutral rally mm-hmm. like that. And, and because Tsitsipas has a one-handed backhand, it may be forcing him a little bit more to the back than Djokovic was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's it's. I think a lot of it is also going to come on serve. It depending depending on mm-hmm. how well Nadal is serving, he's going to be able to take more advantage of that. And I think um, everything that we saw in the Australian Open, we can take all of that with, grain, with a grain of salt. Yeah. Because it's clay, because it's a different time of the season, because it's Spain. Um, because Nadal has healed from the back, even though he's not serving quite as well yet. Um, mm-hmm. I think that even Tsitsipas should be taking that match with a grain of salt. He shouldn't be using that as an excuse to uh, bump his confidence up, even though it's also it's, it's a great win nonetheless. But still, mm-hmm. um, so if if um, if Nadal can serve well, I think he's going to be able to protect his serve a little bit better. Um, but if he's not serving well, I think Tsitsipas is going to be all over it. Um, yeah, I agree. So it, it could be it could be a tough moment for Nadal if he's not serving well, especially right off the gates. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably going to be the crucial point for for Nadal is going to be on, on his own serve, not exactly yeah. on, on return. I think it's going to take what he can get, and he's going to be standing far back. Tsitsipas is not going to try the under underarm serve. Uh, against him so he can he can rest assured that this is not going to happen in this match yeah i think you're right <laughs> yeah so i think he's gonna stay as far back as possible and just yeah and I've, I've seen him return and it's been pretty good like in terms of neutralizing just the serve just kind of getting back into a rally that just kind mm-hmm. of nobody really has an upper hand um and his forehand is, is firing really well too so it, it, it's going to be, it's really going to be too, it's going to be really tough. And I think it's going to be really who can explore each other's serve better yeah. and um, who can each, explore and, and expose each other's backhands better, I guess, in this match. Because I feel yeah. like the forehand is just going to be firing on all cylinders tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I think, of course, it'll matter how well they're hitting their forehands, but I doubt each player is going to hit to their forehand, the other's forehand with anything less than a quality shot. I agree with everything you said. I think we can expect a lot of the sort of um, like deep, but like soft pushed backhands down the line from Nadal that he's historically used against Federer because he knows that the other player won't be hitting a really offensive shot after it. 
Mm-hmm. And I agree that if Nadal isn't serving well, he's going to be in trouble, not because TC Foss will like blast return winners past him, but because it'll give him like an edge in the rally and he can find Nadal's backhand, start to move him around. And that balance is crucial. We, I remember that was a big talking point before his match with Rublev and he dominated that aspect of the game. He, he had a Rublev moving wide all the time and Rublev just wasn't able to get in positions where he could crank his forehand. It was like that shot, which is usually such a big weapon for him was almost, I mean, I won't say like ineffectual, but it was much less effective than it usually is. And so if he can do that to Nadal's forehand, that's going to be a big part of the battle. Yeah. And I mean, Tsitsipas will have to return well. This obviously isn't going to be like their ATP finals matches where Tsitsipas, or even their Australian Open match, where Tsitsipas has gone like two or three sets without producing a break point. I mean, I think it's something to keep an eye on because his return is helped on clay. Its weaknesses are blunted, but it's still not an all-time great return. So I think if Nadal is serving well, we'll have to keep an eye on, can he get into return games? Can he get into points? Mm-hmm. Can he like make consistent backhand returns? But I don't think that should be nearly as much of an issue for him as it would be on a hard court. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the one uh, man I had another thing that I wanted to say, but I just completely blanked on that one. Ah. Oh man, I hear when this happens. I know it's one of the most frustrating feelings in the world. I think. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm probably I, I, not going I, to. I remember. could try uh, saying a bunch of random tennis words. Try to jog your memory. But... Say say a bunch of tennis facts and the jargon, and I maybe yeah, maybe one of them. Forehand, the backhand, drop need. shot, slice, serve, return, easy pass, <laughs> at all. Slice. Do you think slice <laughs> is going to be important? Oh. Um, um, I I almost remember, but never mind. Right. <laughs> oh, actually, yes, I remember one of the things that I, that I wanted to say. It's a oh, it's about variety because the one thing about Rublev match that um, Rublev doesn't really have that Nadal does have um, is uh, Rublev sometimes can get into this into this spot where he will just hit inside out forehands into yeah. Tsitsipas's backhand. Of course, Nadal is lefty, so if he hits inside out forehands, it's going to go into uh, Tsitsipas's forehand. So it would be a little mm-hmm. bit different in, in that aspect. But I think Nadal is going to know better than to just hit on the same spot over and over again yes. in the hopes that it's going to break down. Because at some point, Tsitsipas is just going to be waiting there. And, and the more time he has to hit at his backhand, the better it is. Um, hence the fact that he plays better on clay on that shot, on mm-hmm. that side. So um, I think that is going to be a, fact to, a factor to, to look into as well. Um, just how, how well Tsitsipas is going to deal with the, the variety that Nadal is going to bring on court. Yeah, I think Tsitsipas is going to have a lot of variety too, but Nadal has a lot of years on his back, so he knows how to play pretty much each and every player. So Yeah, and I think especially compared to Rublev, Nadal is way better at varying the angle and the depth on his forehand. Like if he's mm-hmm. attacking Tsitsipas' backhand, you might see a deep cross court to the corner or like a short cross court angle to sort of draw him forward and carve up space for the forehands down the line. And Nadal also has way better touch than Tsitsipas, so we might see a drop shot or a net rush. Um, Nadal is better at finishing points than Rublev, I think, uh, especially at net. So, and uh, Tsitsipas will definitely be expecting a tougher match than what he had in the Monte Carlo final. Mm -hmm. I will be shocked if it is less tough. I'll say that much. So, um, and yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how much Tsitsipas comes to net as well, because we all know Nadal probably is the best passing shots of all time. Mm -hmm. And on clay, he is the most time to set them up. So I wonder how often Tsitsipas will come to net, especially if the baseline rallies aren't going his way. Because I think even if you need net rushing as a tactic, you have to use it sparingly against Nadal on clay. It's mm. probably the most dangerous place in the world to come to net. Yeah. 
I guess I guess you're right in that in the in that aspect. And to be fair, in uh, in Tsitsipas's, um not defense, but like to to his credit, yeah. he's been he's been pretty intelligent about coming to the net, and he's been playing Definitely. some incredible volleys like since Monte Carlo as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think he's going to just panic and just uh, attack the net at like crazy crazy points unless he's unless it's uh, the the only um, parallel that I can think of is like when you're when you're down on, in a hockey game at the end of the third period and you, you take a goalie out and you're six in, uh, six on ice instead of five right. in the goalie. So that's a pretty crazy tactic. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, mm-hmm. but Yeah, so um, maybe if he's down like 6 0 2 he'll come to nut on every point or something. Yeah, I think that, that would be something that he could think of. But in looking out to the future, do you think this match is, is, is going to be something that um, I think for Tsitsipas is more important than for Nadal in terms of assessing their his form and confidence against the best player on 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 earth on the surface yeah. going into Roland Garros and even Madrid and Rome. Yeah, I would say so. If we're talking about Roland Garros, Nadal has shown that he'll win it under any conditions, whether he looks great going into it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are years where he'll win everything leading up. There are years where he'll win one thing leading up, and there are years where, where oh my gosh, he'll win nothing leading up, and he still won it all the time. So I don't read into it too much if he loses this. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll cast doubts over his chances if he plays Tsitsipas again, although much less so at Roland Garros than at mm-hmm. Madrid or Rome. If Tsitsipas wins this, it'd be huge because it would be a back-to-back tournament win for him, which is extremely rare. It's, um, it'd be a massive boost of confidence. I think he's done a really good job of staying steady physically after winning Monte Carlo. Uh, Rublev made the final, but he hasn't been able to do that. He's been drawn into longer matches this week, and I think physically he's been a little weaker. I haven't seen that from Tsitsipas at all. He's won enough lopsided matches, I think, to give his body a bit of a break from the constant grind. And Mm -hmm. so I think he should be fresh for this final. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, sort of let my thoughts run away with me there. Um, But I I do think uh, whoever loses this match will rebound from it well, particularly Nadal. Yeah. And I don't think if Tsitsipas wins that this will be the changing of the guard or anything. He's already beaten Nadal on clay. It was Mm -hmm. also somewhat early in the clay season. It was in Madrid. And then Nadal came back to beat him at the very next tournament. So I guess if I had to say who this is more important for, probably Tsitsipas, even though I think Nadal is less confident right now. Yeah. I think for Nadal is, is a good, definitely a good confidence boost in, in winning, in, in especially in, in Spain where he loves so much to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for Tsitsipas, it's, it's just so important to see... Um, Maybe not even the win, but just the match itself is more important to him. Just so that he can, it, it's good to have a, a match like this in the in the early in the clay season as well, because you have more than enough time to prepare um, for the Grand Slam coming up, and you have another two big tournaments coming up as well yeah. uh, in Madrid and Rome, so that you can you can see what you need to adjust and you can see what you need to work on um, and see exactly what what is working and what you need to you know keep keep doing you know. So that that's also that's also a good thing about it. So. Yeah. Um, in that yeah. in that regard, I think um, I would definitely say Tsitsipas is is for for him is more important because it's still like forging his game a little bit um, on every surface um, and on clay he's kind of coming up as a one of the new favorites on the surface. So I feel like for him it's it's all the more important to see to tell people as well like hey I'm I'm here and I'm also going to be challenging for the bigger titles. I just won a Masters 1000, so watch me now for the next ones. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's great to see him backing up that result. And I also think it's fortunate for him that he's catching it all this early in the clay season. 
I think if, for example, you were to play him in Rome and lose like two and two, that kind of does nothing for you because Roland exactly. Garros is right on top of you at that yeah. point. But here, even if he gets blown out, he's plenty of time to sort of study what he did wrong. He's two more big tournaments where he could play Nadal again and improve. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, for what it's worth, I don't expect him to get blown out. I think he'll put up a good fight. Exactly. But, uh, but regardless, I think this is, I think it's definitely better to play Nadal earlier in the clay season, not just because you have a better chance of winning, but because you have more time to sort of study what to do better against the favorite always. So, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, hope you enjoy the final tomorrow. Uh, do you think you're going to watch that one? Uh, yeah, I definitely will. I'll nice. watch as much as I can tomorrow. I know I have to check the times of the other two. I know that one is at 10 in the morning my time, so I should be yeah. able to catch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And uh, uh, recapitulating for, for our predictions, at least for this one. Um, so I said Tsitsipas in three takes mm-hmm. the first. They trade the first and second set. Tsitsipas wins the first. And you say, you say Nadal in two, I think. Yep. Okay. So interesting. It's a very different predictions. <laughs> very yeah, much I think whatever happens yeah. tomorrow, there will be a lot of gloating. Yeah, nice. So yeah, uh, we all hoping. We, ugh, crap. Um, I'm not gonna cut this out because I'm lazy and I just want this to come out really quick. So um, we all hope that you enjoyed this episode tonight, and uh, we hope that you enjoy tennis tomorrow morning. We are hoping that you're enjoying the clay season as much as we are. Um, so um, yeah. Have a blast, which whichever match you decide to to watch tomorrow, and if you can watch all of three of them, great. That's that's awesome. The more tennis, the better. And you can keep talking to us on Twitter. Um, te- Owen is uh, at Tennis Nation. I am at Rollenberg Andre. Is that it? I always forget my handle because uh, I yeah, that's it. it. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. No um, together we are at Tennis and Bagels, and that sounded like a little bit of like Captain America type of not Captain America, um, Captain Planet <laughs> type of thing. But um, the '90s kids will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. sounds good. I have oh. no idea. Oh man, I, I just I just made myself look really old right now and just aged myself a lot. So no, you're um, all Yeah, so, and um, Vansh was not here today. He couldn't be here, but uh, I'm sure. Um, you can check on his predictions on Twitter as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is at VanshV2K. And yeah, um, let's let's have some chat on Twitter. And again, hope you enjoyed the matches. See you soon. Bye. Bye.